The world's just spinning a little too fast. If things don't slow down soon, we might not laugh. So just for a moment, let's be still. Boop, boop, boop. Just for a moment, let's be still. Mm. Eugene, Oregon. Omorui, duck emoji, Eugene Omorui, there was eight games yesterday, and he's a Detroit Piston, 15 points, six rebounds, four offensive, one assist, one steal, five for 11 from the field, one for two from three, four for five from the line. Josh Giddy, OKC Thunder, 17 points, 17 assists, 11 rebounds, Two offensive, six for 11 from the field, one for four from three, four for four from a line. Goga Bidatsi, Orlando Magic, 12 points, eight rebounds, five offensive, two assists, one steal, six for nine from the field. Let's go to top points getters. Steph Curry, he's back. Golden State Warriors, 40. Joel Embiid, Philly Sixers, 39. SGA, OKC, Thunder, 33. Kyrie Irving, Dallas Mavs, 33. Laurie Markinen having a breakout season. Maybe most improved contender. Utah Jazz, 33. Rebounds getters. Anthony Davis, LA Lakers, had 22. Tobias Harris, Philly Sixers, 14. Nick Claxton getting a ton of rebounds this season. Let's see what he averages. Uh, only 9.1 rebounds. I would have thought a little more. I would have thought double digits for Nick. Spells his name incorrectly. No offense. But N-I-C. He's forgetting the K at the end. Nick Claxton. My brother's name is Nick. As you know, he's been on the podcast. Back in January, Nick Claxton, Brooklyn Nets, 13, Alperin Sengun, Goonies, Sengunis, was one of the first NBA posts back in early November. Houston Rockets, 12, and Josh Giddy, OKC Thunder, 11. Top assist getters is Josh Giddy, OKC Thunder, 17. Jaden Ivey, Detroit Pistons, 12. Draymond Green, Golden State Warriors, 11. Chris Middleton, Milwaukee Bucks, Fear the Deer, 11. Dennis Schroeder, LA Lakers, 9. Survivor tonight. Survivor night. Your random player. I'm excited. I got, oh man. This not watching TV during the all day is. And now, and now the not listening to podcast, <laughs> slowly stripping away technology. It's nice. Lamar Stevens. I've been listening to a lot of music. Lamar Stevens. I really like the new Fleet Foxes. And I saw that they're at a concert in L.A. coming up. and But the tickets are like, I think it was starting at like 70 bucks. Redonkulous. Lamar Stevens is your random player spotlight. Yeah, and like I keep, I saw 
I've seen commercials for uh, Shen Yoon, which is going to be in Northridge. It's some type of dance show, uh, theater. Tickets starting at $90. Ha, ha, ha. For like a two hours and 15 minute show. Lamar Stevens is a Cleveland Cav. Wears number eight. Plays forward. And six foot six, two thirty, twenty five years old, Penn State Nittany Lion, two years experience, undrafted, five point two points per game, three point one rebounds, point six assists. That is Lamar Stevens, the State Bird, Illinois, the Northern Cardinal, Cardinalis Cardinalis, is your scientific name. Cardinalis squared. Oh my gosh. It's going to be funny tomorrow. The state bird tomorrow is going to be funny. I'm just, that's a little teaser for the, for tomorrow's state bird. Yes, it'll be a, this is going to be a laugher. Um, So today's Illinois. Cardinalis, Cardinalis. 1929 was the year of the stock market crash. Also the year that this bird was established. And it's a looks like a you know, the St. Louis Cardinal kind of. Alright. I wonder if they're gonna be good this season. I don't keep up with uh new baseball players. I only really know the superstars for baseball anymore. Alright. So we are on what section are we for Churchill? Conservatism. Let's just finish this section. Our conservative principles are well known. We stand for f- the free and flexible working of the supply and demand. We stand for compassion and aid for those who, whether through age, illness, or misfortune, cannot keep pace with the march of society. The socialists aim at the maximum of regulations, and the conservatives aim at the minimum. Do not let spacious plans for a new world divert your energies from saving what is left of the old. The only path to safety is to liberate the energies and genius of the nation and let them have their full fruition. Fruition, speaking of music, they're a good band. I saw them open, they're, I think they're from Portland. I can't recall who we saw them open for. Some alternative, maybe the Head and the Heart, which we, me and my dad have seen the Head and the Heart. We saw them open for two different bands. That's like a quiz. That's a Chris Arneson trivia quiz. Who did I see the Head and the Heart open for? I God, the Shins. I think it was the Shins in Bend, Oregon, which was 2013, I believe. Coming up on a decade. And the other one that we saw Head and Heart open for. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to even... Band of Horses? Maybe, perhaps, Band of Horses or Coldplay, Weezer. I haven't seen Coldplay. I haven't seen Weezer. I can't believe I haven't seen Weezer. I gotta make a list of all the concerts. I haven't been to concerts much in 
I haven't been to a concert since before pre-pandemic. Um, yeah. It's been a while. Couldn't even, maybe, what was the last concert I went to? Kings of Leon at the Gorge? I think that was 2017. We saw Wild Feathers in Seattle. I'm sure we probably went to one in 2018. Hmm. <laughs> I would have to text my dad about that. Speaking of, they just went to a concert. They just went to my mom and dad, uh, Jimmy Buffett, JB, at Palm Springs last night. Oh, and the Zags had big win. Oh, I didn't even... Oh, the Cougs. Go Cougs. They're playing... I think the game's about to start. They're playing this afternoon. They play Cal, who they should destroy. Because Cal's record... <laughs> Cal's record is like... is one of the worst basketball records you'll ever see. I think they're like 3-28 and 28 or something. So if the Cougs lose to Cal in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. That would be quite the um, disappointment. All right, back to Churchill. We must be beware. We must beware of trying to build a society in which no one counts for anything except a politician or an official, or a society where enterprise gains no reward and thrift no privileges. We shall return to a system which provides incentives for effort, enterprise, self-denial, initiative, and good housekeeping. Is that a magazine? We cannot uphold the principle that the rewards of society must be equal for those who try and those who shirk. Isn't that a professional wrestler? The Iron Shirk? No. Is it the Iron Sheik? Yeah. Uh, for those who succeed and for those who fail. Consistency? The only way a man can remain consistent amid changing circumstances is to change with them while preserving the same dominating purpose. Consultation? Leaders who lead their party from day to day by doing the popular thing, by staving off difficulties and by withholding their time course until it's too late, cannot complain if, when the disaster culminating in catastrophe is reached, some of their followers are reluctant to share in the odium of capitu capitulation. Uh, there's a lot of big words in Churchill, a big vocab. Well, one can always consult a man and ask him, would you like your head cut off tomorrow? And after he has said, I would rather not cut it off. Consultation is a vague and elastic term. Ha ha ha. I feel like that was a Churchill joke. Cooperation. There are two ways of securing cooperation in human action. You get cooperation by controls or you can get it by comprehension. Courage. Courage is rightly esteemed the first of human qualities because it is the quality which guarantees all others. No one is in great authority had the wit, ascendancy, or detachment from public folly to declare these fundamental, brutal facts to the electorate. Footnote, 
Churchill was denouncing the appeasement policies in the 1930s. And the final section we'll do here to finish the page, crisis. The fact that a number of crises break out at the same time does not necessarily add to the difficulty of coping with them. One set of adverse circumstances may counterbalance and even cancel out another. All right. We'll do criticism will be the section for tomorrow's episode. We'll have the funny bird and the criticism. And speaking of funny, I have a... We'll we'll do a... Okay, in this Seinfeld. But I put up a poll on Twitter last night. I think it was, yeah, it was 1027. So it was right near the end of the first episode of Seinfeld. I was watching. So Seinfeld was on the mind. I said, did Seinfeld peak in 1993? <clears throat> the year I was brought into this earth. And this poll is... This is a pretty hot poll for my standards. And it's gotten some comments. I'll read the comments too. But the poll, let's see. Um, it is 41 votes. So that's not bad. And there's still eight hours left. So yeah, you have till, yeah, you have till 1027 Pacific Standard Time this evening what do you think the results are 41 votes did Seinfeld peak in 1993 the overwhelming answer is no 82.9% say no so what is 41 times 0.83 34 so only seven people said yes, which I think Seinfeld, I was leaning towards yes when I put up the poll. I was like, I think it did peak. All right, so here's some of the comments. People, people uh, they said, marine biologist, let's see, no, no. Uh, what's this guy's name? Seinfeld Scholars. Very cool. Should I give him a follow? <laughs> He's only following one person. And he has 2,379 followers. Or he or she. They're following Seinfeld. Seinfeld TV. Which has 237,000 followers. I will follow Seinfeld scholars. I was being stingy with the follows because it looks cool when you're only following like 20 people you know so Seinfeld scholars said in response to this poll the marine biologist aired in 1994 the fusilli jerry aired in 1995 the rye aired in 1996 the yada yada aired in 1997 apparently those are some of their favorite episodes and then Picket Lines and Picket Signs said Marine Biologist. I guess they like that episode. 
Um, this person, Kevin Alexander, said, But Fusely Jerry is the ass man episode. He stopped short. That's my move. And the ass man. I remember that one. That was the doctor, right? The doctor's license plate. The Gez 2. The Gez says, as in season, the peak in quality was between four and five. Off course, I mean, I just said the year. Off course, there are A-class episodes in every season between two and nine. Yeah, so I think it faded a lot in the last few years, in my opinion. Since they've been showing, they usually show an episode from 95 or 96 for the first one. And from 93 for the second one. And that's what the 1993 episodes are. Those are so funny. Like there's some really. I'm trying to think. The 93. Oh no. I won't spoil. <laughs> I just look up all the Seinfeld episodes. No I'm not going to spoil it. But uh, we'll get to them. Because we're on. We're, we're in late 1991. Right now. But okay. So uh, the Gez. Every season between two and nine, but the best period was three to seven quality-wise with four to five as a pinnacle. And yes, that means 1993. I'm gonna, I'm giving these uh, likes and retweets all around. <laughs> likes and retweets all around. Uh, Jimmy doesn't think so. That must be a quote. Jimmy. All right. Very good. So now let's read. So yeah, get your vote in. You still got till 1027 Pacific Standard Time tonight. So for today's episode, episode 11 of season three, Seinfeld, The Alternate Side, Tom Chiron's director, as for almost all of them. Larry David and Bill Masters, writers, December 4th, 1991, 18 million viewers. Jerry's car is stolen, and he has a conversation with the carjacker on the car phone. That's so old school. George takes a job moving cars. Got so much car talk already. From one side of the street to the other to comply with the alternate side parking rally regulations and does a very careless job by crashing cars and causing traffic jams georgie elaine cares for her 66 year old boyfriend who has had a stroke just before she was about to break up with him kramer gets a line why is elaine dating a 66 because <laughs> elaine would have been uh Back in 91, I mean, I yeah, now we have to look up, I think Julia Louis is uh, about my parents' age, I believe, which would be, oh no, she's a year older, <clears throat> January 13th, 1961, so she would be 30, she'd be my age, about, not 30 yet. Not 30 yet. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Northwestern University. 
And I think her son plays basketball. Her husband, I think her son plays basketball at Northwestern. I'll, I'll confirm here. Brad Hall is her husband. Best known as a weekend update news anchor on SNL for creating the sitcoms The Single Guy and Watching Ellie. The Single Guy ran for two seasons, September of 95 to April of 97. Starred Jonathan Silverman. Oh, from Weekend at Bernie's, which I've never seen. When did Weekend at Bernie's come out? 89. Okay. Weekend at Bernie's. Some interesting movies from the late 80s. Uh, it's an interesting era of movie. The Single Guy. What's the premise of The Single Guy? Jonathan Silverman. Several of his close friends. It's kind of like a poor man's friends. Alright. What's Watching Ellie? Aired just one season... 16 episodes. No, so two seasons. February of 02 to May of 03. Starred Julia Louis and created by Brad Hall, her husband. Also, whoa, what? Guess who was in it? Guess who was her co-star in uh, Julia Louis' co-star in Watching Ellie? You will not believe this. Which aired on NBC, which this person just a couple years later went on to be the star of a beloved NBC show. This person is, get your guess in, Steve Carell. Michael Scott, before Michael Scott, watching Ellie. Wow, that's funny. There were two incarnations of Watching Ellie, both focused on the character of cabaret singer Ellie Riggs, with with markedly different approaches. Two incarnations. Okay, which one went to air? The first was directed by Ken Quapis, who went on to be one of the main people, uh, producers of The Office. So this was kind of a foreshadowing of The Office. Known for his innovative work in single-camera shows such as The Larry Sanders Show, Malcolm in the Middle, and Bernie Mac Show. Wow, so he did a lot before The Office. Because I read the uh, oral history of The Office. The Andy, the author of it's like Andy something. but It's a big blue book. Like 400-something pages. But really easy to read. Like, I really enjoy That's one of my favorite types of books to read. Is the oral history style. You can just... Like, The Ringer would always... They always do oral histories. The Ringer. The Ringer. In Grantland used to do them. <clears throat> Got all my Grantland books. Love the oral history. All right. Uh, wait, let's, so each 22-minute episode was meant to portray a 22-minute slice of Ellie's life in real time. 
real time with Bill Maher. In the earliest episodes, a clock was even shown in the corner of the screen. What? <clears throat> That's so innovative. Like a shot clock? A show clock? Like how they're introducing a shot clock for baseball, right? For pitchers and hitters. And they're like actually enforcing it. Uh, 13 episodes were filmed, but only 10 aired before the series was put on indefinite hiatus. The remaining first season episodes have never aired. Nearly a full year later, the show reappeared as a more traditional sitcom. Like a two and a half men. It's like what I think of when I think of a traditional one. With, or Big Bang Theory. With, my mom likes Big Bang Theory. I, I've seen like, I've seen a few of them just by watching them, like with my mom, but... I don't know. How is that show that like that doesn't like, make sense? Like, let's see. It's like the most popular show. Big Bang Theory viewers? Viewership numbers. Um the final season of Big Bang Theory had an average viewership of 17.3 million per episode, which was the show's lowest average since the fifth season. And we just said for Seinfeld, we said, uh, we just totally got off this. We still have to finish Seinfeld. 18 million. So, yeah, that's comparable. Um, but it was higher. The Big Bang Theory surpassed 20 million viewers for a single episode with the season six premiere. Season 7 marked not only the first season to average more than 20 million viewers, but the highest per episode average of viewers for the entire season. So Season 7, Big Bang Theory peaked. And, uh, yeah, average more than 20 million. That's like a... Oh, there goes a chopper. There it goes. Um, when did it end? Well, concluded, it started September of 07, concluded May 16th, two days after my mom's birthday of 2019. So this show's been over for four years. Yo, ready, Big Bang. Not my favorite show. So, let's, we're reading about, oh yeah, we're still going to confirm about Julia Louise's son is a, let's see. I thought, why did I think that, uh, let's see, Julia, and then it says some stuff about her health, I think. Dreyfus' son? Uh, I thought one of them was a basketball player for some reason. But maybe not. Maybe they were just at 
the basketball game. Because I definitely saw Julia Louis-Dreyfus supports son's racy scenes on sex lives of college girls. So I guess he's an actor. Charlie. Maybe they were just at the basketball game. Okay. Uh. Oh. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, September of 2017, announced she was uh, diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. Wow. And October 18th, 2018? So, just... So... Um... Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I wonder if you, I wonder if you guys hear that. Guy talking. Guy walking by talking. Uh, yeah, so just over a year later, October 2018, episode of Jimmy Kimmel Live, she said she was cancer free. So, very good. Um, here we go. Here's some information on their family. They met at Northwestern. They married in back in 87. They have two sons. The older son is a singer-songwriter who has performed on The Tonight Show. The younger son, Charlie, who I just mentioned, is a TV actor. In 07... Julia was invited back to Northwestern to receive an honorary Doctor of Arts degree. Her maternal half-sister is Lauren Bowles, who's also an actress. Let's see. She doesn't have a lot on her Wikipedia. She's not a famous actress. She's famous in association with Julia Louis. But you know also oh, she's wow <laughs> nepotism. As they as the kids say, Nepo baby. She's a Nepo baby. <laughs> she a Nepo baby. She's a Nepo baby. Nine episodes of Seinfeld. You know who she is? Now I kinda recognize her. Lauren Bowles. You'll uh Recognize her in nine episodes of Seinfeld as, guess what she is? It's kind of like Friends, it's, it's like a Gunther in Friends, she's the, at, at Central Perk, she's the waitress at the diner. Alright. She's also had a main role in watching Ellie. Nepo baby. As they say, <laughs> Nepo baby. It's kind of fun. It's just fun to say that. Uh, Robert Louis Dreyfus, one of her cousins, was a former CEO of Adidas and owner of the Olympique de Marseille football club. Wow. Oh, she's got some... She's got wealth. She comes from wealth. Uh, 
Olympique de Marseille. It's a French men's football club. Okay. Oh, also recall The New Adventures of Old Christine. It actually aired for five seasons from 06 to 2010. 88 episodes of New Adventures, Old Christine. Never saw a single one. Clark Gregg is the co-star. Born April 2nd of 62. So he's my parents' age. Went to NYU. He's from Boston. And he's in uh, a bunch of Marvel movies. Agent Phil Coulson. Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Thor, The Avengers, Captain Marvel. TV spinoff show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Disney Plus series, What If? Also voiced Phil Coulson on Ultimate Spider-Man and in the video games as well. Speaking of video games... I'm considering getting a Nintendo Switch. So, hit me up. <laughs> I never say hit me up. At, I guess, Twitter. Arnie Pod. Just like the name of the podcast. Just let me know, um... How, an, if you have a Nintendo Switch. How's your Nintendo Switch doing? I'm considering getting one. I hear they're pretty good. And it's only... One ninety nine, couple hundred bucks, couple hundred bucks for a good video game console. That's not a bad deal for a new one. Yeah, that's not bad. I think it's like a Nintendo Switch Lite. I would get the turquoise one. Yeah, I definitely. Cause now that <laughs> now that I've made the decision to dial back, ease off the podcast listening, I find myself more relaxed and with more free time and just lots of stuff. It's different. It's all different. And is it meta? I thought that to myself after me and Brett talked about it. Is it meta that we're talking about it on a podcast? Is it? I don't know. Meta World Peace. Alright. So let's just... Uh, so what new adventures of old Christine? What was the plot? <laughs> Christine Campbell. A divorced mother doing her best to keep pace with those around her. Clark Gregg is her ex-husband, Richard, with whom Christine maintains a close relationship despite their divorce. As well as Hamish Linklater. Is that in relation to Richard? No. Looks like he's not related to Richard. Spelled the same way. His mother, Hamish Linklater. Mother is Kristen Linklater. Who was a Scottish vocal coach acting teacher, actor, theater director, and author. 
Jack of all trades, five tool player, Christian Linklater, retired from the theater arts division of Columbia University, where she was Professor Emerita, taught residential courses in Orkney, passed away at the age of 84 in June of 2020, got to see the beginning of the world changing but no relation to so the Scottish Linklaters are different than the Texas Linklaters because Richard Linklater is a Texas guy uh, so Hamish Linklater is her brother Matthew and Wanda Sykes is her best friend Barb alright alright the series received generally positive reviews from TV critics, was nominated for nine primetime Emmys, winning one for Julia Louis Dreyfus's performance in the first season. Yeah, very good. All right, let's just go back to, um, let's see what's going on in the news. <laughs> No, not the news. Let's pull up ESPN. See if it sends me to Deportes. And it does not. I'm in the regular ESPN. Thank goodness. Jim Beheim of Syracuse. Not coming back after 47 seasons. Golly. Alright, now we have to look up. Jim Beheim. Mm. He is only 78 years old. So 78, I said 47 seasons. Do that math. Started at 31. So if I started coaching Syracuse, <laughs> if Syracuse hires me as a head coach in about a year and a half, then I could be the next Jim Beham. Um, what was his record? His head coaching record, 1,015 and 440. A winning percentage, let's just round it up to 70%. 70% of his games he won. That seems pretty good. 48 and 28 in the tournament. The turn NCAA attorney, thirteen and eight in the NIT. He hails from Lions, New York. He actually played basketball at Syracuse. Nineteen sixty-three to sixty-six. He played guard. Then he was an assistant from sixty-nine to seventy-six at Syracuse, and then started as head coach in nineteen seventy-six. Wow, that's like a olive branch to the past. That's crazy. Think about that. He was the head coach. How many decades is that? 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, 10s, 20s. That's six different decades. My goodness. 47 seasons. All right. Uh, so that's Jim Beheim.
Did they? Oh, they did win the championship. Carmelo, Anthony, Melo. Oh three. I remember that one. I think they beat Kansas. I believe. Uh, oh three. Tourney. Championship game was hosted at the Superdome in New Orleans on April 7th. The most outstanding player, MOP, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, there goes another copper. Chopper. <laughs> copper. Chopper. Copper chopper. Um, so yes, I was correct. The Kansas Jayhawks were the runner-up. The semifinalists, Marquette and Texas Longhorns. Speaking of Richard Linklater, I think he's an Austin guy. So that Kansas team had Nick Collison go on to play for the Sonics for several seasons. Kirk Heinrich would go on to play for the Bulls from 03 to 2010. Kirk Heinrich played in the NBA from 03 to 2016. A long career. Um, what was Kirk Heinrich's? 11 points per game? Wow, that's more than I would have expected on the career. Career average of 11 points per game. For Kirk, that's good. That's not bad. Five assists. Dang. Three re- uh, three rebounds. 11 points and five assists on the career for Kirk Heinrich over 14 seasons. That is definitely a better career. He's been a member of the USA national team. That must have been a down year. Kirk Heinrich was on the in 06. Okay. He had a good career, though. And what's he doing now? Let's see. Upon retiring from the NBA in 2017, Kirk Heinrich and his family moved to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Wow. He lives in South Dakota, but on the other side of the state across from on the eastern side of the state. My grandma and Aunt Joe, Grandma Doreen and Aunt Joe live uh, in Rapid City on the western side of South Dakota, where I just was just over half a year ago last summer. So Kirk Heinrich uh, was hired at Sanford Power as a lead basketball specialist. All right. How many steals per game? Do you get? Yep, one point one. That's right. Average over over a steal per game. That's solid. Yeah. What's his field goal on the career? Uh oh. <laughs> uh, that's that's where it, that's where uh, it takes a hit. The field goal percent for Kirk Heinrich. on the career? Gosh. That's not good. That's terrible. That's terrible. But 80% from the line, though. That's solid. 80% from the free throw line. 
so Nick Carlson, he played. He's from Iowa Falls, and played for the Sonics. Oh yeah, oh he played his whole career with that one franchise. You would say, because he stayed with the Thunder, the whole from '03 to all the way to 2018. Long career for war number four. Oh, it is retired. I was going to say that number should be retired by OKC. It is number four retired and by the Kansas Jayhawks. He's got his number hanging in a couple rafters. Nick Olsen is the rafter man. And... Speaking of video games, Nick Carlson appeared on the cover of the 989 Sports Video Game NCAA Final Four 04. was released Veterans Day 11-11 of 03 for the PlayStation 2. His younger brother, Michael, played college basketball for their father's alma mater, Briar Cliff University in Sioux City, Iowa. Briar Cliff is a private Franciscan university. The what does that mean? <laughs> Franciscans. Now I'm getting into the rabbit hole. Franciscans, a group of related men, mendicant Christian religious orders within the Catholic Church. Founded in 1209 by Italian Catholic friar Francis of Assisi. These orders include... Oh, there goes a... Oh my gosh, listen to this air traffic. Alright, and pause it. I was getting non-flashbacks there. I thought we were under fire. So the Franciscans... Yeah... Uh, Assisi. These orders include three independent orders for men, the Order of Friars Minor being the largest contemporary male order. Orders for women religious, such as the Order of St. Clair. Alright, that's enough of this. That's the Franciscans. So, Briar Cliff established 1930 private university. Does doesn't even say how many people go there. The campus is 70 acres. So I'm guessing it's tiny if it doesn't even list the student population. Alrighty. So that's Nick Collison. Who else was on this 03 Kansas? runner-up squad Keith Langford let's see he did not make the NBA but most recently played in 2022 for AEK AEK Athens Athens reminds me of Athena That's my old doggy. My old dog. Deceased doggy. 
that will be five years this summer since since Athena left us. Uh, Keith Langford. He's six four, shooting guard. Was an all Euro League first team in twenty fourteen. Won the Alfonso Ford Euro League top scorer trophy twice. So he had a very prolific career overseas. Then we have Michael Lee. I'm just clicking on the ones who are blue, who have uh, Wikipedias. Michael Lee is from Portland, went to Jefferson High School. I think that's known as being, I guess you might say, like the Rainier Beach of Portland. Like, good at basketball. Good basketball program. Um, Michael Lee. Did not play professionally, did he? Nah. Didn't make the NBA. Coach, at as assistant at Gardner-Webb from 08 to 2010. San Francisco, 2010 to 2013. Santa Cruz Warriors, 2017 to 21. So he's bouncing around, end of the bench. Aaron Miles. Let's see what he's currently working as an assistant for Boston Celtics. Very cool. He played, he actually played for the Golden State Warriors, 05 to 06. He made the NBA. War number zero. Then he played for a bunch of overseas teams. Coach at Kansas. As an assistant, 2015 to 16, Florida Gulf Coast, 2016 to 17. Was that the season that they made the tourney? I can't, it seems like it was right around that year. Then the Santa Cruz Warriors, 2017 to 19, Golden State Warriors player development, 2019 to 21. Then with the Boston Celtics as an assistant from 21 to present. Russian Cup MVP in 2013 and two-time Russian Cup winner 2012 and 13. Euro Challenge champion in 2013. So lots of overseas success for these guys. Christian Moody is the next guy. Played four seasons at all four seasons. That's a common theme from back in the day, a couple decades ago. Is um, these guys actually stayed all four seasons? A lot more players played all four. You don't see that. Lots of like there was probably barely any one and done back in the early aughts. Um. So Christian Moody. Oh, I went to uh, high school in Asheville, North Carolina. Which you know what the the Asheville connection to the podcast is is my uncle Steve lives in Asheville. All right, Christian Moody, six eight, power forward. 
and he played one season professionally in 2008 with the Lakeside Lightning, which is a club based in Perth, uh, Western Australia. Club fields both a men and women's team owned and managed by Lakeside Baptist Church. Play their home games at Lakeside Recreation Center. Founded in 2000. Wow, I'm reading about Western Australia club basketball. <laughs> this is inside basketball. Um, Inside basketball. Brought to you by Arnie Pod. So, the president is Jared Prue. Jared Prue has a Wikipedia. He's a former basketball player and current coach. Played 15 seasons with the Lakeside Lightning. Wow. So he's like, kind of like the Michael Jordan of Western Australia. Had a, yeah, um, considered one of the NBL ones West all-time best. I wonder if they meant to rhyme there. Having earned the title as the league's greatest ever rebounder. Oh, how tall is he? He's only 6'6". Oh my gosh. The greatest rebounder is 6'6 in this league. That's fun. In 2013, he had a three-game stint with the Perth Wildcats. Hey, my dad texted me, go Cougs. Let's just check. Go Cougs. It's 3 o'clock. It's 3 o'clock where I am right now. When I am right now. <laughs> uh, let's see <laughs> when I... That was a good one, Chris. Uh, okay, no. We're, we're already in it. Yep. 12 to 5. Cougars have a lead. Yep. Uh, go Cougs. Basketball emoji. Paw print emoji. <laughs> and then... Um, let me just copy this. Oh, that's so funny. My mom texted me that. Oh, hey, boom. Texted her back. My mom texted me, go kooks as well. Alrighty. So I got the go kooks text going out. We got 13 minutes left in the first. Yeah, they're 3 and 28. Like I said, Cal's 3 and 28. Let's check who Cal has. It'll be fun to see who they defeated. I wonder if they won any... Uh, let me get a sip. Mm. Any um, Pac-12 matches? They defeated... So they went 0-12. They were 0-12. And, 12, and uh, my mom said the Coo girls basketball won the other day. I'll say, very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Um, so they defeated. It was December 21st. It was a Wednesday. It was a stormy Wednesday night. And they were playing... What's this team? Uh, UT Texas Arlington. The Mavericks. The Top Gun Mavericks is. 
so they so that was a team that was not a it was pretty much a cupcake team for them. So they took down the Top Gun Mavs, seventy three to fifty one, and that was a home game as well. And then they had so they had a hot streak. Oh my gosh, they won. That's so funny. They won their three games in a four game stretch. Wow. So they went zero and twelve, and then they have gone. 0-15 since winning. <laughs> so they, they've had... Cal's had a 12-game losing streak and a 15-game losing streak this season. That is... phenomenal. Uh, so, so who they beat? They beat... Uh, so they... They lost to Utah... Only 58-43, not bad. And then they defeated Colorado. These were all, all four of these games were at home as well. So they had a, a four-game home stretch, which they won three games. They defeated Colorado, the Buffaloes, 80-76. to And then they defeated their cross-bay rival, Stanford. The band ran on the court. <laughs> they the band stormed the court. Ninety-two to seventy. Alrighty. Oh, and then they lost to the Cougs on that was January eleventh. That was right before me and my dad we went to the game on that Saturday against Stanford. This was a Wednesday. The Cougs took him down 66 to 51. Ooh, and then they went overtime at UW, at the Huskies. 81 78, they lost. And they also lost in overtime, hosting Arizona State, the Sun Devils. But they lost 70 to 62. So they fell by. How do you lose by eight points in overtime? Right? Uh, Cal, who is their leading scorer? Has 15 and a half points. Devin Askew. His jump shot is not Askew. Actually, it is Askew. <laughs> his, his jump shot is Askew. Because he's shooting... Some of these college field goal percentages are just not too good, but this guy's shooting 38%. Okay. No, I don't want to make fun of a college kid. He is leading the team in scoring, though. That's just that's how bad Cal is. How bad the Golden Bears basketball program is currently. That their leading scorer is shooting under 40% from the field. Well, their second guy, Lars Thiemann, nine and a half points, seven foot one guy from Krefeld, Germany. <clears throat> he is shooting f- over 48%. I mean, he should be shooting over 50%. 
at 7-1? Why is he even outside the key? Why is he leaving the paint? Uh, Dewan Clayton is the third league scorer. He's from Bowie, Maryland. He's a senior, six foot two. Oh no, dude! I don't want to make fun of these guys. Is this real? These guys? Wait, how long is this guy's call? <laughs> this guy's calls. Oh my gosh, this guy's an interesting page here. All right, so first, the first thing I was shocked by here was Dewan Clayton. Gosh, this is. I'm not trying to. <laughs> it's not. They're not going to hear it. I don't think the Cal Golden Bear basketball team listens to the podcast. <laughs> they listen to it on the team bus. Guess what the he's shooting? What Dewan Clayton shoots from the field? Field goal percent. Twenty eight percent. That's. I've never seen 28%. I've never seen 28%. Uh, But the thing I was laughing about was his college career. This is a college... It looks like an NBA page with all these statistics here. We have... He started at Coppin State back in 2016. So this is one, two... Three, four, five, six, seven. What? How is this possible? How is, how is how is the math doesn't add up on this? This is so funny that I, I'm so happy I clicked on this guy's page here. This math. How is this guy? He's playing his seventh season. In college basketball. That's not even... uh, You can't do that. He averaged... He used to be a little better. Shot 41% his freshman season. (laughs) So he shot 41%, then 33, and then 40, then 41... Then 35, then 36, he went to, what's this, Hartford, the Hartford Hawks. Uh, Let's see, go back, there we go. Mm, He only played two games for the Hartford Hawks, so he must have got injured. And then his second season, he only played six games. So he must have got injured there. So I'm guessing he got two, like, injured red shirts. Injury red shirt. And then the uh, COVID, he got, like, the COVID bump, you know. They gave him an extra year of eligibility. So that's how you get your uh, playing his seventh season of college basketball. Phenomenal. I love it. This is fun. This is fun. This is like meet meet the team. This guy's name is Kwani Kwani. It's from 
Melbourne, Victoria, Melbourne, I think they say. He's a senior. Let's see how many seasons he's played. He's six foot nine. Oh, so he's only played four seasons. A four-year senior. But he only shoots 36%. So now we have to see... Uh, and then also, the seven-foot-one guy... Well, guess how many rebounds the seven-one guy averages? <laughs> Leading the team in rebounds, Lars Thiemann, five and a half. For a 7-1 guy, that's, God, I can see why this team, like, no offense to the, the whole team, you know? They're shooting from the field as a team. They are shooting 39%. So, that seems pretty bad. Uh, let's see. Mm, we're going back. And now we're in Wazoo. Let's see. Bomba leading the Cougs in scoring. TJ Bomba from the Bronx, New York. 6'5", junior, 15.7 points. 43% from the field. So that's why I would, I would say 43% for a college guard is uh, that's pretty that's pretty good for a college guard 43% that's that's definitely acceptable that's pretty that's not it's not good but it's not bad they don't shoot as high like NBA guards will get near 50% like they're really good ones obviously uh like Luca Luca probably shoots near 50. What other guards? Off the top of the head, guards that shoot not that many. Like, only, like, it's like Devin Booker, like Chris Paul, CP3 used to be up there. Devin Booker, probably not near 50. Ah, it's a fun game. All right, so TJ Bomb. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A big improvement from last season. Only shot 38% last season. Bomba. So what does the... So the Cougs... As a team... The Cougs are shooting... 42.4%. From the field. That's not... See, that's way higher. That's... Yeah, they're over 3% higher than Cal from the field. 36.5% as a team from three-point for the Cougs. That's a pretty decent three-point percent for the team. Uh, righty. And then the your leading rebounder for the Cougs. See, this is a decent amount of rebounds for your you don't want five and a half rebounds for your leading rebounder. Mohamed Gouye is a sophomore from Senegal. Dakar, Senegal. 6'11". Oh my gosh. 6'11", 210 pounds. 
kind of like a Chet Holmgren type. Let's see how much Chet Holmgren, if he's gaining weight. My dad was saying that he thinks he's going to be a really good pro. Chet Holmgren. Oh. Seven foot. Under 200 pounds. 195. Wow. That's not good. He's seven feet tall and he only weighs. I need to gain weight. I should be 170 at least. I just need to eat a bunch. I'm feeling peckish right now. I'll just eat a bunch. Carb load, as they say, after this. Eat some Pringles. <laughs> Yeah, I, how can you be seven foot one ninety five? That is bonkers. He's gonna get snapped like a twig out there. So Gouye, fourteen and a half points, eight point six rebounds. That's pretty good. That's not bad. And forty nine percent from the field. Yeah. Very good. Only a sophomore. But the Cougs are going to lose Bomba after the season. So we lose our leading scorer. What about Powell? He's the third guy. Justin Powell, a junior from Prospect, Kentucky. 6'6", 10.5 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, only... 40% 40% from the field. I think he's a three-point guy. Yep. 41% from three. That's really good. 41% from three. Played for Auburn as a freshman, and then Tennessee as a sophomore, and then Wazoo as a junior. Where's he headed after this season? <laughs> Don't leave us now, Powell. Played 30 games for Tennessee and only started one. And he only averaged 3.7 points for Tennessee. But as a freshman, he averaged 12 points for Auburn. And six rebounds and five assists. In uh, 10 games. So he was... Wow. Those are big numbers. As a freshman. Six rebounds. Five assists. Twelve. Like those are good numbers. As a... I mean only 10 games. But... So not a big sample size. Necessarily. Still though. I don't... Must not have been getting enough playing time. Started seven of those ten games. wonder if he got injured, actually, as a freshman there. So that's Justin Powell. He has a lot of upside in this final season, if he stays. We have DJ Rodman is the fourth leading scorer. Son of the worm, Dennis. DJ is a senior, so he's out after the season. He's he's 6'6". He's from Newport Beach. 
He's from North Korea. <laughs> a Dennis Rodman, North Korea joke. He's played all four seasons with the Cougs. He's averaged two points as a freshman, six as a sophomore, four as a junior, and nine as a senior. Also, five and a half rebounds, which is very solid for a 6'6 guy in the Pac-12. That's good. And uh, 42% from the field, 39% from three. 77% 77% from the line. Son of Dennis. So he's out after the season. He's leaving. We have Jabe Mullins is a junior from Snoqualmie, Washington. Not far from where I hail from, Bothell. Jabe Mullins, 8.5 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, 43%. He's six foot six, and he played for St. Mary's his first two seasons. Speaking of the Zags, that's who they. Yep, the Gales. Mm, Gale. There's a song I listened to on Pandora, and I can't remember what it's called. Or it might be the Stable Song, called the Stable Song, and they say. Wide-eyed, wide-eyed, mm-gill. Mm-gill. I think Gale, Gale. I think my my parents had a friend, Dale and Gale, right? Is it Dale and... <laughs> my parents' friends, they're, they have a friend named Dale. Yeah, and I believe he's married to a Gale. I do believe. So, Jade Mullins... Yeah, just three points per game with St. Mary's first of his uh both of his first two seasons with St. Mary's there. For Jabe. Good name. You don't see the name Jabe. Jabe. Then we have Andrej Jakimovsky. Is a junior, six foot eight from Macedonia. Seven and a half points, five rebounds. Only 36.5% from the field, though. I believe this guy is also a three-point marksman. Only 35% from three. Not that, not great, not great. That guy's a shooter, though. So those are all our main scorers. Then we have a freshman on the bench. Named uh, Kimani Hoinso. He's a freshman. He's six foot six, and he's from Molehouse, France. Four points, two and a half rebounds, one and a half assists, forty-one percent from field. So lots of upside there as a France freshman. So which guys did I say were leaving uh, after this season? Bomba and Rodman and I think that was it, right? All right, very good. So the Kooks have lots of upside next season. 
it's a basketball program. And um, wait, let's see what is what is the score of this game. <laughs> so much time has passed, I suppose that. I was going to ask, that's why I was talking about the Nintendo Switch. That Definitely going to ask Nick. Because I think we're planning on doing it. little pod tomorrow night. A little Simpsons pod. I'll give you a teaser to it for it. So I'm going to ask him. Because he seems, he he knows about that kind of stuff. I don't know if he has a Nintendo Switch, but... He would be familiar. Very good. Just over four minutes left in the first half. And the Cougs, it's a football score. 27-13 over the GBs. And Rodman leading the way with eight points, five rebounds. Rodman is a... Eyeing a double-double. And uh, Bomba has seven. And Goye has six. Goye has six points, four rebounds already. We're just dominating. Looks good. Don't want to jinx the Cougs, but that's it's looking pretty good this afternoon. John Morant will not be charged in this investigation of this Instagram live video. Memphis Grizzlies point guard John Morant will not face criminal charges stemming from his IG live video in which he appeared to display a handgun at a nightclub. The Glendale, Colorado... Oh, there's a Glendale in Colorado. Police department, they said that the all-star all-star guard... He apologized for the incident, and uh, he's been away from the team. Said in a statement that Morant will remain away from the team for at least the next four games. He could return March 17th on St. Paddy's Day against the Spurs. And the police started this investigation Determining the incident took place at a strip club called Shotgun Willies. Uh, early Saturday morning, hours after the Grizzlies lost to the Nuggets, there was not enough available evidence to charge anyone with a crime, they said. GPD was not able to determine that probable cause existed for the filing of any charges. In this case, it should be noted that on the night in question, the GPD did not receive any calls for service at the nightclub regarding a weapon of any type. Subsequently, no disturbances were reported and no citizens or patrons of the club came forward to make a complaint. The investigation also concluded that no one was threatened or menaced with the firearm, and in fact, no firearm was ever located. Sounds like he got the uh, superstar treatment. (laughs) Alright, Tiger's girlfriend asked Judge for release from NDA. 
What is what is this? Tiger Woods? Guess there aren't any other famous tigers. His longtime girlfriend is asking a judge to remove her from a non-disclosure agreement that she claims the 15-time major champion forced her to sign when their relationship started in August of 2017. All right. It's a boring story. Calvin Ridley said betting on NFL games was a stupid mistake. Yeah, yeah. That's like a gambling addiction problem. Like, no one's even talking about it from that point of view. He's obviously just addicted to gambling. To, to do that, just not thinking, it's the addiction. Uh, the worst mistake of his life, he said. Let's see what... He was not in a good place after leaving the Falcons to concentrate on his mental health when he downloaded a gambling app deposited $1,500 and bet on NBA and NFL games, including the Falcons. Yeah, so he just went on, like, FanDuel. He's just addicted to gambling, and I guess you can't do that if you're in the league. He says he effed up. It was a dark moment, made a stupid mistake. I wasn't trying to cheat the game. That's the thing I want to make clear. At the time, I had been away from the team for about a month, I was still just so depressed and angry, and the days were so long. I was just looking for anything to take my mind off things and make the day go faster. Okay. All right. He was out with injury at the time, I believe. Alabama's Miller whole situation is heartbreaking. Yeah, they're talking about... Wait, what? Oh, someone got... What happened here? Um, Alabama freshman forward Brandon Miller declined to discuss specifics about the fatal shooting of Jamea Jonage Harris in Tuscaloosa, Alabama in January. Called the whole situation really heartbreaking. Uh, Miles and his friend... Michael Lynn Davis have since been charged with capital murder. Davis for allegedly firing the shot that killed Harris and Miles for providing the gun is considered capital murder in Alabama because Harris was inside a vehicle when she was shot. Okay. So the the basketball player was the guy who gave him the gun? Is that what they're saying? Beard is the top candidate for Ole Miss. Chris Beard. This is a another Austin-heavy episode. This is a guy who uh, was arrested on December 12th. His fiance Randy True, called 911 and told officers that he choked her from behind, bit her, and hit her when the two got in an argument. And now he's being... He's gonna, now he's going to be hired in the SEC. Good guys... Uh, what do they say? What's the saying? Nice guys finish last. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, Flyers 
Tony D'Angelo. And that just happened. That just happened in December. That happened less than three months ago. And now he's, they're already, he'll be hired. He'll be hired in the next couple weeks. Short memories. (laughs) God, that's terrible. Flyers, Tony D'Angelo's two-game suspension for spearing. Spearing. You don't hear a lot of that. That seems like more of a football term. Let's see what happened here. The league said in a video breaking down the incident that D'Angelo did not engage with Perry in any way prior to spearing him, choosing to deliver the strike while Perry was not looking, and that the premeditated nature of the offense and the force with which it was delivered to the groin area was deserve a suspension. And also forfeiting about 54 grand in salary. Perry immediately fell to the ice on his back after the hit, and his lightning teammates then surrounded D'Angelo and took him down to the ice in the slot before his Philly linemates joined to defend him. Hockey is a brutal sport of goons. After the game, D'Angelo told reporters that he intended to give Perry a shot, but didn't mean for it to land where it did. He tried to slash my stick out of my hands a second before. He talks all game. I asked him to fight. He doesn't want to fight. He'll tell you he's asked me to fight for years. I don't say no. But he wasn't, uh, wasn't trying to give him a shot where it landed. Replay probably looks worse. Okay. Replay don't lie. And... Brittany Griner is making her, oh, because, let's see, Brittany Griner returned to the, let's see, to WNBA with a Phoenix Mercury, the first of 25 regular season broadcasts on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Deuce, so... That's not till, wait, uh, May 19th. Phoenix Mercury visit the LA Sparks when the season tips off on ESPN. That's not for a while. Alrighty. Uh, Let's just finish up here. (laughs) Wait, let's see what the score of the... Okay, halftime score, 35-21. Another football score. So Cal came back a little. There's still Cal's, the GBs are hanging around. DJ Robin leading the way for the Cougs. 10 points, 6 boards. And uh, Thiemann and Kwani Kwani both have 6 points to lead the Golden Bears. All right. So that's enough of that, and let's go, let's just finish up uh, our Seinfeld here. We are, um, where are we here? We were still in the middle of our, uh, the 66-year-old boyfriend who has, 
had a stroke just before she was about to break up with him. Kramer gives a line in a Woody Allen film, popularizing the expression, these pretzels are making me thirsty. That's right. This was a great, this was another great one. I love that. I love, <laughs> I love the one where Kramer, it was so funny the way that Kramer says that. The way that he like, he gives all his gusto. He puts everything he has into his one line here. These pretzels are making me thirsty. How does he say it? These pretzels are making me thirsty. He accidentally injures Woody Allen during the shooting and gets fired from the set. I don't recall how he injures Woody Allen. All right. This was a good one. And let's go watch Samuel.